0: Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Age. Oh, Anthony. How are you? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, He's No, will be fine, yeah. I'm
1: going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should
0: we'll indeed.
1: You're listening to The Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth.
0: What's up? Hey, what's up? I'm just shattered. Uh, but it, I, I begin it to feel like someone who's running a very large corporation who gets up every morning at five o'clock you know, and play squash before going into four hundred meetings.
1: Are you not worried about where the money
0: is? Except that I don't play squash. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't earn that kind of money. Uh but there we are, and here we are. Jeez. I've been I've been doing my accounts since I got up, which was some time ago. Oh,
2: lovely. When did you get back from Paris? Oh, <sighs> Um What day is it today? <laughs> yeah,
0: Sunday. Sunday night I got back. Uh mm. drove. Drove back. Um I mean we made pretty good time. Weirdly, the the road from Paris, um, there was nothing on it. I kept taking photographs to send home. Look at this road. It was like they'd dropped the bomb. Uh right. so the 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 trip from Paris to the Euro tunnel was was fabulous, you know. Just foot down, zip mm. uh, Nothing in the way, really. Hardly passed anything after the time. I mean, when we got to the Euro Tunnel, there was about four million cars. Uh, they must have dropped them from the sky because they weren't on the road, so mm. they were all queuing up. Um, so then it got a bit more, you know, crowded. Um, and then the the drive back from Kent, you know, up. Uh, was was pretty good, really. I had the usual car park around Cobham on the M25. And, mm. But it didn't last that long. It was, a, it was slow going. But I got off at the M4. I mean, this is a proper bloke's conversation This now, isn't it? I it's, got all off at the in. M- it's all staying I in. It's all staying in. I got off at the M4 to go to Hillingdon to drop Phil off. And uh, Hillingdon turned out to be a top tip because the A roads to Hillingdon were clear even though the M25 was a car park so I might do that again mm. next time I'm stuck on the M25 I'll go, darling I'm going to Hillingdon and she'll go, what? I'll say, watch and be amazed <laughs> Um. so there we are, so that, that cuts out a bit of it and then I got home about, I think I got home about 8 in the evening, left Paris at noon, so Eight, nine hour drive allowing for the the hour that you gain on the way back it was about nine hours on the way there as well um with the small detail of a gig in the middle of it how was that uh, amazing transcendent one of the best ever i mean i thought zertamia was the best ever which it might have been um but my performance was certainly up there with Zurtamir, and the crowd reaction was just, they just held me in the palm of their hand from the moment I walked into the building. It was emotional. It really was. It was something else.
2: Paris is always kind to you, though, isn't it?
0: Always, yeah, always yeah. was. Yeah, but if I, I, I mean, I don't know, this is, it's a strange thing. It's like a resonance somehow, I don't know what it is but they're so, they're so uh, loved up the Paris crowd they always have been when I, mean, I got a round of applause when I walked into the building um, and trying to keep my head down you know to get to the dressing room um, well, you know and they were it was just amazing it, it was uh, you know right up there with one of my favourite ever evenings so that was lovely but I'm shattered because uh, well, I always am after after shows. Because if I've got anything left, I'd I would I would have given it anyway. You know what I mean? On stage, it's sort of I give all I've got, and then I've got nothing afterwards. You know, I'm shattered. So, and I've, that seems to get worse as I get older. You know, the recovery time seems longer. You know, so I'm, it's what is it? It's Tuesday, is it? No, it's, yeah, it Tuesday. it's Tuesday, and I'm still I feel like I walked <laughs> off stage. <laughs> and of course, then there's the small detail of going to the racket club and rehearsing with Marillion yesterday, <laughs> which is what I'll be doing later today after I've dropped Lynetta at Heathrow Airport. <laughs> So life is full at the moment.
2: I liked your um, e-web last week when you said something like, uh, first day of rehearsals went well, but I hadn't done my homework."
0: No, I hadn't. <laughs> I've, I've been a bit shoddy, actually. And the, I mean, I normally don't bother because it's normally a piece of cake. But there's a couple of songs in this in this forthcoming show which um are uh, re- require a bit of me me, throwing a leg out of bed to be honest um, because I'm playing things that are quite complicated at the same time as singing things that I'm, you know because we haven't done certain songs very often um, I'm having to just dig around for the vocal phrasing and all of that and um, so it involves having a proper listen and doing a bit of revision and I haven't, I've been shoddy but I'll get on it. There's there's bags of time. I mean, Lewis is joining us next Monday, um, and I think we've got eight days after Lewis gets involved, and it's already nearly there. So, I've I've got plenty of time before. I've just you know, I've just uh, I've not done very well in the mocks, but I think for the <laughs> I think for the actual exam, I'll be in good shape.
1: This is going to be, uh, and we're going to keep all that audio in, obviously, because that's what we do, but this is going to be interesting this morning, because as you probably worked out, there's another voice on the recording, and you know it's Tim, because we've been trailing Tim for about, it's got to be two months now, hasn't it, really, pretty much? Oh my God, have you? What have you been saying? (laughs) Yeah, you should have been looking over your shoulder, mate. (laughs) I've kept saying to H, we give Tim a ring? Oh yeah, I'll give Tim a ring this week, and that started in about... What June? So we've been
0: have a word with Tim.
1: <laughs> we've been training you for a while. So <laughs> as, what we what we understand so far is is you're knackered, so we're not going to get much out truth. of you today. No, well, I'll do my best. All right, okay. And but obviously, as you've noticed so far, Tim's better
0: at asking questions than answering them. I'd be very grateful if you and Tim did the heavy lifting <laughs> while I sit, sit in the carriage Reclined. at the back with my feet <laughs> up. It. So but, Tim's
1: going to answer every question with a question, um, <laughs> as is his, his, his normal journalistic want. So we'll see how we get on. It could be quite fun, actually.
2: This is the problem with things like this. you know. I, I, I mean, i spent the last 20-odd years of my life asking mm. him and others like him questions, and it's very difficult for me to be on the other side of the camera uh, if you know so what I mean, gra-
0: you've grown a beard. You're looking a bit nautical, actually, this morning. Mm. It? Yeah, it's got a fish finger look about him, hasn't he? Finger <laughs> finger
1: <laughs>
2: this used to have a little bit of colour in it, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's all gone.
2: It's the stress of working with certain <laughs> bands, you know, <laughs> and the,
0: and the salt of the sea. I feel what, you painting. B- what bleaches
1: it white? <laughs> Should we start then?
0: Yes. Yes,
1: right. Well, I'll do the introduction and we'll kick off and see where we end up. Right, okay. Hello, and welcome to chapter 182 of the Corona Diaries. Ooh, good morning.
0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And we have
1: Tim Sidwell with us. If you've not worked it out so far, we have Tim Sidwell with us, who is... Well, what are you, Tim? What, how would you describe yourself? I'll What's tell on
0: your you business what is. I'll tell you what he is. He's lovely and brilliant in equal oh. measure. Oh.
2: Well, thank you very much. Checks
0: in the post. (laughs) People are normally one or the other. Tim (laughs) is both.
2: I don't know. uh, How would I describe myself? Well, I guess first and foremost, a a video producer. Um, I very loosely call myself a director because I've never had any formal training in that side of things, but um, mostly just a filmmaker, somebody that pulls pretty pictures together and sort of regurgitates them in some semblance of order that looks quite nice and entertaining. I'm I'd
0: shocked. agree with that. I'm shocked the film directors have training.
2: Well, this is it, yeah. Do they? Do they I'm, go my, to
0: college and learn that? Show? I just thought they had vision, you know, and, the, that's part of it, isn't and it? the capacity not to have a nervous breakdown. I thought that's what you <laughs> needed for film directing.
2: I'm, yeah, I'm quite good at that. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I reckon you're there already, man.
0: A <laughs> <laughs> bug of the college.
1: So before we start, and I don't know how much we capture, but you're back from Paris, aren't you? Mm. And you're tired. Yeah, we had a great gig.
0: I also have the almost immeasurable capacity not to have a nervous breakdown. And if I you are good at that, actually, I would have had a few. Stable,
2: stable, (laughs) Instantly stable.
1: (laughs) And that actually says that on your WhatsApp thing, doesn't it? It Stable on your WhatsApp.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's your that's your normal state. I've learned to manage my life like air traffic control. I bring, the pl- I bring the one in that I can see, and when it's safely on the ground, I look up for the one that's two minutes behind it. And that, that if I looked at them all at once, I'd fall over immediately.
1: Right, let's start. Let's start with a bit of back, a bit of backstory. Tim, where does this all start? Have you always done this? <laughs> no, because <laughs> no. I was—I kind of thought you were going to
0: say that. Does Tesco figure in this, end, this story? Yeah, even, anyway? even in the pram, were you directing in the pram?
2: I was. I was telling mother where to go, where to push me,
0: <laughs> take me to the light.
1: The light's nice over there.
2: Well, I guess, I guess the um, the, the fascination and the desire to, to get involved in music, and especially like live music, goes right back to when I first watched uh, Iron Maiden's live After Death because I was a huge Maiden fan when I was a kid, and that just blew me away. It was a concert on the Power Slave Tour that they shot in Long Beach, California, and just visually it was... I I just sat there thinking, this is absolutely bloody incredible. I want to do something like that when I grow up. So then I went and studied history and politics at university. Oh! So... So, uh, Oh, you... (laughs) I'll shut up. (laughs) But at that that time, I was... um, My university vacation job was at a cinema and when i graduated i didn't have any job to go to so i went back to that one and ended up managing a cinema 10 screen cinema and got involved in the movie business Uh, and that kind of progressed to working for uh, an independent uh, cinema in Wolverhampton called the lighthouse where we've shown a couple of marillion films actually since Mm. and uh, they had a video production training course which I got involved with and ended up producing very low-key, corporate-y type things that the students were producing for local businesses, and it just kind of snowballed from there.
1: So, where did you go to university?
2: Essex, Colchester.
1: Right. Okay. And then the cinema Sydney. around. So you know all about popcorn, then?
2: I know. Yeah, salted, sweet. Yeah, sprinkle of, um, melted butter on top. Yeah, and the and fact sp- that and spray tan. As, yeah, and it's marked up. I mean, how much is a bucket of popcorn at cinema these days?
0: Oh, Jesus! It's is... tw- twenty-seven quid.
2: I know, and all it is is like little kernels of corn that are popped in a kettle. And <laughs> what a rip off
1: yeah. I know. Oh, you've said it out loud. You're not allowed to say that if you come from Oops. the <laughs> cinema.
2: That's the
1: that's the that's the cash cow, isn't it?
2: But well, it is. Yeah, the concessions. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Right, so mm-hmm. cinema leads you to this film course which leads you to corporate things. So when do, when's mm. the transition? I mean, because when when do you first start with anything merillion like, if it's not merillion but something similar? Or was Marillion the first thing that was Marillion like if that makes it was,
2: sense? It was Marillion and Magnum. Oh good. So belief. yeah. So where in West
1: Midlands rockers themselves. Yeah, Absolutely. There's, there's another um, rock in
0: the Midlands.
2: So um we were creating these videos and I went and started a small business where we ended up uh, sort of sharing studio space with uh a guy called mark stewart who's magnum's producer and front of house engineer and i got to know mark quite well and magnum it was basically their racket club basically where where they they record all their and they still record all their albums and uh, around what t- 2003 2004 they were getting an album together and they wanted to do a, a concert video and so mark came and had a chat with me, and we ended up at the Astoria uh, and shot. Uh, I think it was the anniversary of on a Storytellers Night, mm. so we shot that that concert. And that was the first multi camera concert that I got involved with. So that was where it all started, and it was purely by accident.
1: That's quite interesting, actually, because uh, I do have a I have a guilty hair rock past so I have, a, I have a sort of early, early 90s guilty hair rock past and Magnum are in my guilty hair rock past <laughs> um, but Magnum in seriousness kind of followed the Marillion model fairly quick compared with a lot of others because Magnum sit in the similar sort of thing of having a, a, an audience, fairly dedicated audience um, but not, they're not they got to the point where they probably weren't the kind of band that a label would, would keep hanging around particularly in the post Nirvana world when it all when it all fell apart for, for hair rock bands. Um so and, and I seem to recall Magnum we are only about three or four years behind Marillion in, in that respect of Galvanising the the fan base. Um and they still do the same thing, I think. It's the model's virtually identical as far as I can tell.
2: Um well I think they still have um, a relationship with the German record company. I think they are with S P V Steam Hammer, is it? Something like that. Right. I'm not sure I'm not sure these days, but yeah, I mean certainly they've got a dedicated fan base, much as as Marillion have. And uh, you know, and, and Tony Clarkin is just a, such a prolific songwriter. I mean, yeah. they, I think that they're on they're on the verge of releasing another album. They seem to really have got that kind of record. It's one
1: a year pretty much, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't I mean, and Bob Bob's an amazing character, Bob Catley. He's uh he's like a little whirling dervish. He's and so much energy, it's unbelievable.
1: And he looks like a carpet salesman.
2: <laughs> and he's got all the hand movements as well yeah. on stage.
0: <laughs> so, when. So what? If, if carpet like a... salesman's hand movements? Do they yes. have hand movements? Yes, they do. They do. That's, they do. He's wielding a Stanley knife. Width and length.
1: <laughs> <laughs> w- wielding a Stanley Walks around in knee
0: pads. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing in Hair Rock. It Maybe there were more carpet salesmen than hair rockers has ever owned up to. There's, there's a guy who owned a carpet shop in Leeds. It's called Mike's Carpets. And funnily enough, he
1: was called Mike. And he was a dead ringer for, for Magnum's lead singer. Oh,
2: so there you go. Never and you seen him never
1: saw the turf in the same, the room. Turbine, the same in the place same at the same, room, same yeah. time. <laughs> there we have it. Him. I Ma- can Ma-
0: the song coming on. And then Pete Stringfellow, ringer for Magnum's lead singer. It's it's pure pure lyrical gold. But carry on.
1: <laughs> well, Pete. Well, the thing is, Pete Stringfellow is probably the third of the doppelgangers, so you can get some idea of the look <laughs> that we've got going on. Imagine Pete Stringfellow selling carpets, and you're about right.
0: Do you know? It took me until "Afraid of Sunlight" to become a hair rocker. I never had hair till then, and then I, I I've looked at some old "Afraid of Sunlight" footage, and I had hair. It's gone again now, but. I mean, I've got hair, you know, obviously, but I don't have it at hair rock length, but I think I briefly did have at that point. On the subject of Afraid of Sunlight, I've always meant to ask you
1: this. Um
0: did, you did bulk I grow up? my hair?
1: Well, no, did you bulk up for Afraid of Sunlight? I seem to recall you in a black t-shirt looking looking slightly ripped.
0: Did you? No, I stopped eating. Uh, oh, That okay. was it. You bulked down then? Uh I yeah which seemed to expose parts of my body that had never been seen before because uh, there was no fat at all on me at that point no i i just stopped eating for a while because it was a bit i was yeah, i was in a bit of a state at that period you know emotionally and uh, and i nearly said financially no i was all right financially but i was emotionally buggered at that point and and uh, i i i couldn't eat for blinking months and so I lost a lot of weight, and everybody started complimenting me on how well I looked. <laughs> so what you did was that you went and business.
1: bought some tight-fitting black t-shirts. Then <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs>
0: People did keep saying, "Oh, have you been working out? You're looking great." Oh no, I've just not eaten since December. <laughs> I, I do. Re- I remember at the time thinking, "Bloody hell, he looks ripped." No, I wasn't ripped. I was. I was wrecked. I've always meant to ask you. Sorry, that's a little aside for
1: us. I don't know if it'll make it for decent content, but I've just always meant to ask, was that a conscious conscious effort? But clearly not. No. No, just, just some form of crisis. It was a crisis. Cry for help.
2: <laughs> yeah. Anyway,
1: back to Tim then. So when did you two first meet? When When's the first Merillion thing?
2: Oh, Well, the first Merillion thing was... Um, our- so I, I know um, there's a lady called Anne Bond, who's one of the guys that run the Web UK. And I've known Anne since the age of 11. We used to go to school together. And I think it was when Lucy took the reins and she went on... One of the first things Lucy did when she became manager was to do to a, a tour of the UK and get groups of Merillion fans together to see how she could plunder our collective talent Thing. And and said, "Do you want to come along?" Because at that time, I just start. I'd been involved with the video stuff, and and thought that might be a, a match for what Lucy was looking for. For you know, the new new age of Merillion. And so, I, I, the first time I met Lucy was in a pub in Birmingham with a group of half a dozen other Merillion fans who were, who were into all kinds of other things like PR and marketing and advertising, all that kind of stuff. But then nothing transpired from that. And then I think it was on when you guys were promoting Marbles, you were doing a little um, tour of record shops, signing sessions and acoustic uh, little things. And one day you came to Birmingham and I I noticed the day and I thought, oh, I'll just, I hadn't been in touch with Lucy for a a year or so by that point. And uh, I thought, I'll just chuck, chuck Lucy an email, see whether she'd be happy for me to come down with a couple of cameras, shoot the acoustic thing and a bit of, you know, behind the scenes stuff, for the signing sessions. And that was the first thing that I ever did with uh with H and the guys. And I don't think that footage has ever seen the light of day. It was um I think it was H Rothers and Pete doing your Lost Trios Mirillos or whatever you call it. And then a signing session afterwards. And that was on the marbles tour. <laughs> mm. Birmingham HMV, which no longer exists.
0: No, most of those don't, do they? What, no. what a world we're in we're in. the the sand is moving beneath us we <laughs> hearty there you Any? are pad there you are paddling one minute next minute no beach.
1: We well, need mm. to be
0: careful because my
1: hometown is currently flooded and Teresa coffee turned up yesterday and that's that's terrible on so many levels. <laughs> you take the flood water would not you, um, <laughs> you do you remember that h the h m b
0: thing <laughs> vaguely yeah, I do. I do remember it. I don't remember meeting Tim if I'm honest. No, I, don't I think can't. Did. I can't remember when I met you, Tim. I the think best. I probably, I might have seen your work before I met you. You know, <laughs> because I think you you. My my, you first got onto my radar, I think, because I I saw something you'd done, what something about us that you'd done, and thought, shit, this guy can edit, um, and. I think I think you've got a natural talent for for editing, making a fine silk purse out of a sow's ear. Um, and uh, I could I could kind of sense that, and and you sense of rhythm as well. And how you, you know how your edits, um, how your edits are sort of in phase and in tune with the uh, with the dynamics and the and the rhythm. And I thought, aye, aye this bloke knows what he's doing. I'd better find out who he is. Mm. I think that was that was my thought. That's my... I mean, that's probably bollocks, because I, as, you know, like everything else that I remember is usually... <laughs> wouldn't stand up to uh, verification. We've never <laughs> let it get in the way, though, have we? Let's no. be honest. Fact-checking.
1: <laughs> BBC have started doing a separate section just for Corona Diaries on their reality check. <laughs> <generally>. LAUGHTER it's called That's Bollocks. <laughs> <Yes>. the, uh... <laughs> so when, if if the HMV never saw the light of day then, Tim, so when's the next call from Lucy? Because I'm assuming it's a call from Lucy then that comes next.
2: Yeah, pretty much. It was um, for the 2005 Meridian weekend down in Minehead.
0: And,
1: right, uh, right. Was that the first one?
0: No, because the no. first one was, was Pontins, wasn't Montage, it? Pontins, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think this was the third one wasn't it because by that point you'd already you'd already done the world record thing with afraid of sunlight um, i think you? was that the year before was that at pontins or was that yeah that was a pontins wasn't it and then you did another minehead in 2003 and then yeah. i stepped on board in 2005 and again that was a that was a really low key we, we only bought three or four cameras and i don't and, The the initial phone call was from Lucy was, um, we just want to record it just for archive. And I don't think at the time there's any intention of releasing any of that video. Um, But once once I got it back and I sort of cut cut a couple of the shows together and sent it over to Lucy, she said, all right, well, maybe we can make something of this. And it it ended up being, uh, I think they called it bootleg Butlins because it wasn't particularly polished technically. And it's got a very raw and edgy vibe to it visually. So that that was the first real Marillion thing that uh, came out of right. Out of Just here. to
1: backfill, then Your, the the world record thing that was the DVD that was was got out really quickly, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. So that was the Boom Boom Boys did that yeah. in. So that would have been Ponting So they they I think it was a performance of Afraid of Sunlight because they was, called it bef- yeah. before First Light, wasn't it? And uh, it was. I mean, it was a blooming amazing feat in those days because. You know that all had to go away to a DVD authoring place and get manufactured and then get bought back the next morning. And I think you sold it on site the next morning. We and did then we, in
0: Wolverhampton, the Civic, I think we sold it.
2: Yeah. Well, then um, in the intervening years, uh, Pop Elite itself broke the record and they did it in Birmingham, I think, uh, which is a great resonance with me from where I'm talking to you from because this is i'm in stourbridge which is where populate itself are from <laughs> so uh, when we when we sort of um went uh i think it was live here now said let's let's try and beat that record and they bought all their dvd authoring all their dvd duplication racks into the civic hall uh we we shot the show in 2013 which was uh the radiation uh album run through um Vision mixed it as we went along. I I stayed up all night that night in the Wolfhampton Civic Hall by myself, uh, authoring the disc to send over to the guys to replicate it. And then, yeah, the, the first one was sold, I don't know, at seven o'clock in the morning the next morning. Uh, and we, we beat we beat Popolite itself record. And I was wearing a Pop elite itself t shirt <laughs> while I did it.
0: <laughs> Throwing the gauntlet down. Does so that, that was still w- stand?
2: Yes, it does. Yeah.
0: Right. And
1: yeah. what exactly was the time from, from? Oh, crikey.
2: I think it was time from the start when the show started. Yeah. Until, from, the first, yeah. from the first note until the first sale. So I don't know. It's like 12 hours, something like that, maybe less.
1: That's incredible. For a physical product, isn't it, really? Because it's not just one, is it? It wasn't like you produced one to sell. I mean, that was, that was a commercial thing. So you produced a box full to sell.
2: Well, yeah, the guys they they had, like I say, had racks and racks of duplication machines yeah. in in the back bar at the Civic, and I don't know how many they they churned out. It was hundreds over um, ready for sale the next morning, and then yeah, it, With and all it had, the
0: artwork ready to go, and you know the packaging and everything.
2: Yeah, yeah, because that was all that was all pre-done. You know, everything was printed up and manuf- All the casing and stuff was manufactured prior, and all the on.
1: I just think it's so merillion that you that you you're able to do something like that. Set yourself that target, set you know, build a, effectively a, a, a production facility in Wolverhampton Civic Hall, and then be taking money off punters less than sort of 13 hours later. I think that's uh, I, think that, <laughs> I can imagine Lucy's ever
0: so proud. <laughs> it was before 3D printers as well. Wow, you know, could have could have just printed some.
1: So how DJ. how fast did you realise you were on board, Tim? That 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 that, that that's it. You were you yeah. were
0: you were. How, you were going how fast to. did you realise you were in trouble, Tim?
2: <laughs> I think that came before realising that I was on board. <laughs> <laughs> Became ensnared. I don't know. I mean, that 2005 thing was was absolutely wonderful to do because, I mean, if you want to go into a deeper backstory, the first band I ever saw live was Marillion. Um, in the days before steve joined Uh, the first gig i went to was misplaced childhood at the birmingham and i was a huge 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 marillion fan i mean i still am so to to sort of wheedle my way into the organization and start pointing cameras in the faces of the band that i've loved for so many years was absolutely incredible and to this day i still never take it for granted you know i think in any in any creative Business, you, you're only as good as your last job, and if your last job is absolutely shocking, then yeah. it starts uh, sending alarm bells to the people that you work for. So you you have to be on this kind of trajectory where, you know, you have to try and better yourself every time you you go out and do a job. Mm, so, well, so, so, two thousand five was great. Then two thousand seven was the first PZ, and again, that was really low key, and I don't think. I mean, I I went out with a couple of cameras, and you'd got Jason Telford um, doing mixing the video screens, and we recorded everything, and that that came out, but still wasn't. I knew it wasn't what could be done. And then I think 2009, when which that became um, out of season, that box set, and that that was the first time we we really threw a decent production design at the pz shows and i think that you know fans still love that one to this day that's uh that was a big big bit of work that was to pull that one together and i think that's probably when i thought oh yeah this is uh this is quite good
1: h um dear chap yes at what at what point then as far as the band are concerned does this go from being to the point to tim's point just capture for a bit of archive to really start being just discussed by the band as right okay well actually there's a huge opportunity to not just capture a show but, but create an experience
0: gosh i don't honestly know the answer to that question because it all goes by in a blur for me and, I, and I'm, if if i mean there is obviously planning and direction involved in our in our career and trajectory but i'm usually not party to it um, I tend to ride them you know yeah. I don't prepare them for the race Um, you know I'm not there brushing them down I just climb on the saddle and someone shouts off you go and I get them round the track that, that's kind of how how I am with this whole thing so I, I I'm not too involved in all the in all the planning so so Nothing really gets onto my radar until till I, I see something and go, holy shit, that's fantastic. Um, and everything was, you know, everything was, I mean, first of all, I hate looking at myself. Um, I hate listening to myself singing, um, especially live, because live it's always warts and all. And uh, and and Mike Hunter, God bless him, does his best to fix the the worst of what what's wrong with it uh, live before I ever get to hear it, and then he sends it to Tim, and then uh, Tim edits the vision together. And in the old days, he would send us. Um, he would send us, well, it wasn't, was it So I don't know. I've, I've lost track of all the media as well. That tends to change once a fortnight. But he used to send it in some form over to us to, to approve. You know, DVD, I suppose it was. And I would sit there and look at it. Um, and, of course, it's not finished, you know, because Tim's waiting for comments back from the band at this point. But I... I have this problem, which is that if I see or hear anything that isn't right, it keeps me awake. It may, I mean, it makes me almost suicidal, and I don't sleep. Uh, even though I can fix it, until it's fixed, I I, I can't have any peace, um, you know, emotionally or, or uh, mentally. And so I, I realised that... Uh, What I was going to have to do was go to wherever Tim is in his edit suite and sit with him and look at it so that everything that offended me, I could change, sat next to him, and I'd know it was done, and that would be that. And if it couldn't be fixed because we just didn't have the shots or whatever to fix it, I'd know that as well. And I could sort of go, okay, that's as good as it can be for me and I can sort of resign myself to the fact that that's how it's going to be. Um, if I just see a DVD at home, of course, I, I, I'm i not looking at what Tim's alternatives might be on the screen, and I, so I, that's not very nice. If we've got anything else, I wouldn't know. Uh, so I'd lie awake at night, wittering and worrying and, you know, fretting. Um so these days I always we always get together when Tim has shot anything and uh, I know this isn't the answer to your question no, just it's just fun. it's just something I can say and remember as opposed to things I've got no idea about but um, that's been
2: a, that's been a really useful process over the years though because I mean when we sat down to look at um the an hour before it's dark stuff from PZ this year you know I think I've been able to refine what I do um, to the extent where I'm in the edit suite and I've got a shot of you and I, I know that you won't like it, so I don't use it. So hopefully yeah. by, you know, at this point, we sit down together and, and look at a film and there's only maybe, I mean, like the other week when we did this one, there was only three or four points where you sort of, I could I could feel you physically flinching next to me.
0: <laughs> do you bristle when you sit next to Tim then? It does. Well, I've always got a certain background level of self-loathing anyway. You know, I've got it when I wake up in the morning. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> looking at myself on stage. I carry my self-loathing with me. It goes hard into the red. Um, and every now and again, you know, there'll be a shot that actually bends bends the needles. Yeah. Um, and with a bit of luck, I can get it, can get it back just into the red zone. Um, so, yeah, I I, I do, uh, you know, it does, it, it does I don't I hate looking at myself. Um, I really hate looking at myself. I, I just think, well, you know, what a pillock. Why is he doing that? I just spend the whole, the whole time thinking that to myself, whilst at the same time going, that's flat, that note, that's a bit sharp. That's wrong. You fucked that up, didn't you, you pillock? You know, and so that's that's my thought process. But I mean I also I also have a kind of wow, that looks great. I have a lot lots of those moments, but they're usually not about me. They're about it, you know, about the overall I mean sometimes some of the screen media that's behind us just looks wonderful, you know, and in, in the shot and you think, God, that's a fantastic moment. <laughs> I mean, that
2: that show full stop, that whole uh, an hour before it's dark looks, the show was absolutely amazing, looked amazing in Holland with all that screen media, had a real visual cohesion about it. Um, Yeah. And with how Jens' programmes the lights and the colours and everything around what's been done for the screens, uh, this was done by Simon. It it just, it was just, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, Simon Ward's, you know, just got a, a real a real a brilliant visual brain hasn't he? he's a great talent uh and and he ends is mad as a box of frogs but he, he's he, he, he don't he don't half know what to do with lights so the 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 two the two of them together are, are one one of a double act
1: let's take a pause there let's go for diary because I've got a couple of questions I want to follow on with Tim um but that before we roll on, because I'm just conscious how far we've gone already, let's let's chuck a bit of diary in.
0: Let's chuck a bit of diary in. Where am I going? Am I still in Mexico? Do you know I've what? I, I don't know because I've not looked. <laughs> Have you Before, looked? Hang on a minute. It was the 14th of May, was it? Was Was my ber- was, This was my birthday coming up and I spent it all on a plane. Yeah, I was still in South America. Right. I was still in South America about to... I think it was the I think it was in Rio. I was out of Mexico. I was in Rio de Janeiro and then I think I spent my birthday flying from Sao Paulo to Santiago or somewhere. Well we're gonna end up after That's after there we're gonna end up well. in
1: Montreal. We're gonna end up in Canada, so gosh. It's one or the other, isn't it? It's Mexico or Canada, let's be honest. <laughs> Rio's
0: not in Mexico, Anthony.
1: No, but you know You've what? Oh, oh, out, yeah, or... you're right, you're right. What am I talking about?
0: You're somewhere, aren't you? I am somewhere else. I am, I'm indeed. Here it comes. Tuesday, thirteenth of May. Buenos Aires, Grand Rex Theatre. Woke up at 11 and had a FaceTime chat with Lynetta. Managed to squeeze a quick hello out of Vibes, but he's not interested in having a conversation. Ordered a couple of cappuccinos, which arrived 25 minutes later and were undrinkable. Ordered some extra milk to try and calm him down a little. Hot or cold, Signor? Cold, please. In a glass. In a jug would be good. Perfect, signor. After another ten minutes, a jug of hot milk arrived. It was a nice day, so I went out for a walk to see if I could find the button shop I'd found twenty years ago when I had last stayed here at the Sheraton. Couldn't find it, but passed a jeweller's shop and a ring caught my eye in the window. Thought I might buy it for Lynetta, so popped in and enquired as to the price texted her to try and find out her finger sizes. It happened to be exactly the right size. To cut a long story short, I eventually emerged with the ring, silver with a large watermelon tourmaline stone, and a necklace of small beads of uncut sapphires, rubies and emeralds. I hope she likes it. I didn't have enough US dollars, so popped back to the hotel to borrow cash from Ian and Mark. We'd earned an extra bit of money from the merch, so what the hell? Came back and facetimed home again before it was time to go to the gig at 3.15. Boarded the minibus for the journey to the Grand Rex Theatre. Sound check passed without incident. We've decided, at Paolo's suggestion, to add the uninvited guest to the set tonight, so ran it a couple of times. Returned to the Sheraton and dozed in bed for an hour or so before returning. When I hit the stage for the show, it was obvious something had changed sound-wise since soundcheck, and I was unable to fix it really for the whole show. Oh well. The sit-down crowd looked like more people than last time, and I was later to find out that there were 300 more people. Great. It took a while to get under their skin, but slowly they came to life. At the end of the show before Encore 1, Paolo was saying to me, The security are not letting the people come forward, but you must make it happen. I went back on stage for the Encore and asked the crowd to come forward, but I could see security men in the aisles sending people back to their seats. I was straight down off stage where I grabbed the back of the collar of the security man and, smiling, gently pulled him back to the stage as the crowd followed us both down to the front. Now the party had started. Before Encore 2, Paolo appeared again and said, Now we must go for a walk. Flanked by him and Renaton, I walked along the aisle, now full of people singing Sugar Mice to the back of the theatre, stopping to shake hands and receive hugs from the crowd as I walked. This, although pure Latin American showbiz, really ignited the crowd, and from there on we had them. Finished with Neverland, and that was that. A terrific reaction and quite an achievement from everyone on stage, considering the difficult sound. At midnight, everyone wished me a happy birthday, and I raised a glass of champagne with Paolo, who is beginning to resemble a South American manager rather than a promoter. After the show, we returned to the hotel. There was a perfect full moon in the sky, which looks nothing like the moon in the Northern Hemisphere. It appeared to be a different way up. Is that scientifically possible? I tried to photograph it, but there's never much to be achieved without special equipment. This was the first hotel with a bath since we began this tour, so I filled it up and relaxed for a while. When I pulled the plug at the end, the water came up through a drain in the bathroom floor and filled the room with water. I put a towel on the carpet and called reception a maintenance man arrived and muttered in spanish that he was sorry and he would send a cleaner ten minutes after that a woman arrived with a mop and bucket and dried everything up i was asked if i wanted to change rooms but i was too tired anyway most of the room was still dry and i was only going to be sleeping and checking out slept till seven thirty when the moby began pinging birthday messages wednesday the fourteenth of may Buenos Aires to Santiago. Happy birthday. Spent most of it on a plane. And I we're forgot back? The, forgot the other oh. 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 week. I forgot, the, oh. I forgot, the, oh. I forgot oh. to go into record for the second half. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I, I, it's, I, it's okay. Straight I again. Stole, I stole your uh, your your street, your energy stream. Well, you I've had 181 that have been all right. It was always going to go wrong at some point. You, you ran into a wall. Yes, right. Yes. I'll shut up. I'll shut up. <gasps> and we're back. Yay!
1: I can keep all that in. All of that in. <laughs> Just you know, this is TCD Watson and all. <laughs> And we're still here with Tim. And what I was going to ask you, Tim, now on the back of that, because I'm starting to get a sense of this now. So there's a lot, obviously, that goes on in the background that the band kind of know is happening but aren't necessarily involved in day-to-day. That's kind of what I'm getting from your answer, H. So where does this... When did you fall into this process, Tim? Does this start with two cameras and then four, and then somebody saying to Lucy, "Do you know what? If we did this, this, and this, we could do something quite special." And is that, and then is that is the faith then placed with people? and I'm guessing there is, knowing Lucy uh, that that when that when she's comfortable, she'll just go right. Yep, yeah, you're 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 top of the tree, and what do you do? Just go and, and do it. I I know exactly what you're going to do. It's going to be great, and. I guess the fact that you've said something there, which is you're putting a camera in front of uh, the band that you have loved since you were ever, you know, I'm talking to a, a a chap who sings that I've you know been in awe of since whenever, but that's actually a lot of the Meridian team, isn't it? That's a lot of the people that are in these roles carry that thing of, well, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, this is going to be the best work I can do. Because this is this is my band I'm working with. This is this, these these are my guys I'm working with or my people I'm working with. So this is going to be as good as I can do. So I ain't fucking this up. There's no way that's happening.
0: Hmm. And that that's I just remember to be something it. that
1: runs through the team.
0: I remember it getting really posh. Um, and this is probably, you know, no offence for, for, but I in in my it it impinged on me as a thing getting posh on the um, the less is more tour. Did it go high def at that point? Yeah, that was, it, that was the first one we did in HD. It, it started it could, to it look, look love, really lovely. And yeah. I do remember thinking, whoa, this is this is really quite something now. And yeah. then it carried on up from there. And, and I remember the first time I saw um, your edit of um, The Space from the Royal Albert Hall with, with the girls and mm-hmm. you know, Sam and, and Emma. And just thinking, well, that's it. You know, that's if we ever do anything better than that, I can't imagine how it can be. It might be different, but that's it. Yeah. You know, it's, I, th- uh, I
2: think I think you're right, and and what you were just saying there about the way that it's evolved is absolutely spot on as well. You know, Cudergan uh, Hall on the Less is More first time we shot in HD. Uh, we shot over two nights, so you know what what was released is kind of. very clever kind of you know there might be shots from one night in yeah (laughs) there might be shots from one night within the mix you know um Mm. but then then sort of i think the sort of the the stepping stone to the royal albert hall was 2015 in port zealand when you did the marbles um run through and we we bought out quite a decent load of cameras and stuff for that and we had cameras on tracks going down the side of the tent and across front of house we had the jib and i mean one one thing i will say is that every every show that we shoot whether it's for Marillion or for anybody else i've got such a great roster of camera operators and technical people that work on these films Uh, and and they're as much a part of the reason of why they, they they started to look really good, as as anything else, you know these guys work in broadcast TV, hundred percent of the time they work Glastonbury, they go shoots shows out in South America for ACDC and the Rolling Stones and do Coldplay stuff all the time. So I'm using people that are on top of their game, and and this goes back to what you're saying and, and about trying to do your absolute utmost best for the band that you really, really love. And also feel really invested in as well, because, I mean, I was talking to Lucy on the phone yesterday about this, that, and the other. She'll just phone me up now, and we'll we'll chat about ideas for the Meridian Monthly thing on YouTube. And, you know, I I really feel part of the team now, which is fantastic.
0: Your family now, Tim.
2: Mm. It, It really does feel like that. And, you know, what I've learned from Mike as well, Mike Hunter, over the years is is invaluable too and all, all this kind of weaves into the tapestry of uh, what we we try and produce so we did 2015 in port zealand which i'm immensely proud of that's a, especially the marbles film i love that i think that's great and Then 2017 this whole idea of family and, and mates and stuff uh, is still to this day my favorite day at work ever in the Royal Albert Hall. Well,
1: hold that thought because I've got an idea about that. So hold that thought. Don't don't go there for a minute. Um, but actually, coming back to something you just said about Marillion, because this, this there's all this this folds in. Marillion, multi a perfect example. But there's all there's the part that you're playing. I mean, you said to me that you you um, you've got some interviews coming up for a forthcoming special edition.
2: Yes, um, tomorrow. But- Indeed. tomorrow. <laughs>
1: I, I, was, I didn't know whether I could say it or not, but I thought like it's no secret, is it? No. Um, but um, but that's now become part of your thing as well. You know, you're now you're now kind of kind of a slightly bearded, bespectacled Mark Michael Parkinson at the same time, aren't you?
2: I guess so. Um, I mean, that's the documentaries for the for the reissues. In any documentary that we do, um, because I mean. It's, we did one for an hour before it's dark where i came and sort of was at real world with the guys and we've done one for the last two or three albums actually all all these like hour hour and a half documentaries of the making of the albums are, are so good to do and I, t- I tell you what i always sort of think well my degree wasn't wasted because the um the skills that i learned doing my history and politics degree I, I i transfer into creating music documentaries in terms of you know collating evidence and 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 pulling it all together and you know, spitting out something vaguely understandable at the end of it.
1: Well, that's so, where we I mean, cross, because I've my degree's in politics as well.
2: Oh, really?
0: Mm. Christ, so, I'm uh, surrounded by them. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we just have yeah, some... to
1: drink. That's what you learn doing a history and politics degree. <laughs> ah, well, that, we have that in common. We have that Jeff. in common.
2: So, yeah, to, tomorrow we're, we're going to be uh, looking back at this strange engine. Mm-hmm.
1: Which I'm really looking forward to. Actually, really fo- looking forward to when that comes out because the thing with the the first, you know, if you take the first four albums and the reissues, there's some incredible stuff on the special editions. But there was already the the remasters anyway, so that they've they've almost been staged. You've got the original album, then you've got the EMI remaster, then now you've got the the the, the new stuff. You know, the, the and and the new, the new stuff's absolutely amazing. But there hasn't really for, for albums like the ones you're going to move on to, there hasn't been anything yet. There's there's the original album. There's kind of nothing in between. So I'm really looking forward to 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 the ones where there's been nothing in between, and what that and what that kind of. I mean, good luck, obviously, if you're trying to get information out of H about something that happened that long ago. Uh, I wish you the very best.
0: Fortunately, there's five of us. He's in. <laughs> he's in with a chance. It's not much of a chance because I know the other four and they're every bit as screwed as I am in their minds. But. Um, with a bitter luck, someone will have a flash of light and it, who's it likely to be? <laughs> Sweepstake. <laughs> think, thinking through the various characters, uh, it's hard to put money on any of them.
2: It's funny though, every, every time we do something like this, I can. every one of the bands has a different way of approaching interviews, I think. And uh, I, I can probably put it down to the minute how long I'll spend with each of them. And uh Steve is usually the one that spends the most time. Just
0: <laughs> well all you're gonna get, get out banks. of Rothers is yes and no. Uh and <laughs> fine by me. That's that's Rothers is uh, his most enthusiastic. Whereas I'm a rambler.
1: As we approach it, our two hundred and fiftieth recorded hour of T C D and related content, I can absolutely <laughs> attest to the fact that that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> We are running out of disc space with, <laughs> with, with this particular project. Yeah. And it's only audio. Um, the, you, there's one th- another thing you said there about Lucy, which really does chime. And, um, and I think it's part of Lucy's genius, actually, is the fact that she is in absolute control, but she finds great people and then she just gets out of their way. And she just mm-hmm. lets them be who they are and do the thing that they do. And the out, the output and the results are truly amazing. Um, and I think she's really, really good at that. I mean, I, I do message and talk to Lucy relatively regularly, but she's been nothing but encouraging. And as far as TCD is concerned, just, just do what you do. It's great. Love it. You know, just, just, just keep on doing what you're doing. And I think that is where she really is, where, you know, where she sort of reigns supreme. Um, Course it also makes her a bit like a very, very good bond villain, but
0: um it (laughs) goes The only time she she messages me is to say I'm not scary. (laughs) She put that Uh, on a text message to me. This she first line of text message to me was, Don't panic (laughs) (laughs) And then Anthony just goes, Oh, bond villain.
2: Well the one the one thing for me when when she um She messaged me saying, I've been on the sunbed, and I immediately think, oh my God, what crazy idea has she come up with now? (laughs) That that was how how the couch convention came about, I think. She'd been uh, sunbathing in lockdown or something, (laughs) I thought, "Oh, it'd be a good idea to do a, a Meridian weekend online.
0: Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, I, I, I'm i not sure I understand it even now, but at, n- at no point when it was being planned did I have the vaguest notion of what she'd got in mind. And then I, when we were actually doing it, I couldn't really understand what was going on. And I look back on it now thinking, what was that all about? But it was a great success.
1: All I can remember is me and you did a raffle in your front room.
0: Oh, we did, yeah. In uh, wearing Corblamy trousers,
1: wearing Corblamy trousers yeah.
0: by the open fire,
1: by the open fire, it was bloody hot in that room on that day, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> I did a great photo op as well with the dog, where I was dressed in a tuxedo and she's she's sitting next to me and, and her collars look like she's got one on as well, even though she hasn't. Um, that, yeah. and that was that was a great that was a great shot, and right. I remember apologising to the Australians. But I think, what
2: the, I think what one of the great things is that there's, because of the way the band have got everything set up, there's a huge freedom for creativity, isn't there? You know, if, if anybody's got an idea like that, it, it, it'll it get floated about and then it might get traction and go with it. Whereas if you're working for a band or an artist that's chained to a label or a particular management company or, or whatever, you just get so many restrictions and and constraints as to what you can actually do. So I think that's one of the great, great triumphs of what Lucy's been able to uh, create around the band
0: yeah well, nothing
1: ever feels no div- forced does it nothing ever feels not forced. at
0: all no. there's no divorce lawyers you know it's like when when you get divorced and you bring lawyers in you know suddenly the the connection between what one person would like to do or not do and what the other person would like to do or not do as kind of perverted and distorted by their representative, you know, over there. And so then the lawyers are arguing with each other, whilst the people on the periphery, who it should be all about, are going, what did that bitch say? She's done what? And he's, going, oh, what What a bastard, he said that. And he, And kind of neither of those people have really got a problem with the conversation, but the lawyers are in the way perverting it and it's a bit like that with management um and record labels you get somebody who has an idea it's fed to a label or fed to a manager and, and, and then it's fed back to a band and the band are band aren't being really fed the idea they're being fed oh so and so wants want you know wants you to sit in a tree and you go well tell him to fuck off And that's as far as it ever goes, you know, whereas if that person who'd had the idea said, look, I've had this idea and we're going to do this, this and this. It'll involve you sitting in a tree. You go, yeah, let's do it tomorrow. So the management and the labels can be a bit like the divorce lawyers in my mind. You know, they get in the way, they pervert any kind of human contact. You know, they create walls. And they create confusion, uh, and sometimes even bitterness. I, you know, and that's I've seen that happen with rock and roll managers and record labels who you know, create bitterness where bitterness doesn't need to be. I'm, I'm Sorry, going to try you to close it
1: we're we'll trying to a close there but i'm going to ask the two gentlemen here how we're doing for time and whether we could actually do a bit more recording about the albert hall but you'll not find out yet whether we've managed to do that or not probably for another week but that's how we're going to leave it we're going to have a private conversation Ooh. and we'll leave you now we and tim thank you very much thank you very much for your time yeah, thank, absolutely thank you. fascinating to chat to you come um, again tim come again maybe <laughs> very pleasure. soon maybe yeah, very okay. soon <laughs>